Frank was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. From an early age, Frank's wealthy parents indulged him with every privilege and benefit possible. So you could say that he was a spoiled, rich kid. He was handsome, witty, daring, always dressed to the nines in designer clothes, and totally into both music and poetry. Frank spent money like there was no tomorrow and was always the life of the party. However, there was an alter ego lurking within him. On one occasion, while working with his father on a business deal, Frank noticed a beggar on the street asking for money. Immediately after closing the deal, Frank ran over to the panhandler and gave him everything he had in his pockets. Some time later, Frank enlisted in the army, went to war, was captured, and spent a year as a POW. All of this and a subsequent illness prompted Frank to reevaluate his life. But not long thereafter, he returned to his carefree ways. Then, all of a sudden, he had a vision that changed his life dramatically. Frank made a 180-degree turn from his worldly ways and his worldly friends. He had no interest anymore in anything the world offered and gave away all he had. When asked if this might be about some girl he had met that threw him head over heels, Frank answered, yes. Her name is Lady Poverty. Back in his day, Frank was known as Francesco, but we know him as Francis of Assisi. So, how did this young man, who willingly went from riches to rags and lived a mere 44 years, become one of the most respected and admired saints in history? Could it be that giving one's all to a cause bigger than oneself is the epitome of commitment, which touches all of us personally? It has been said that if you're not all in, you're not in at all. With regard to his faith, it appears that Francis was all in. How about you? Let's turn our attention now to another rich young man who lived 1,200 years earlier and 2,000 miles away from Francis. We don't know his name, but we know his interest, which is how to obtain eternal life. Don't we all want the same? This story is found in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Synoptic means to see together, and that's what we'll do in order to get the full picture. So join me as we join with Jesus, who has just set out on a journey. Along the way, we see a young man running toward us. Clearly, he's come to see Jesus, not us because he kneels before the Lord and asks, Good teacher, what good thing must I do to obtain eternal life? It's interesting that he also uses the word inherit. So clearly, this man wants to do whatever he must to live forever. For whatever reason, this young man thinks Jesus can answer his question. It's interesting 
that the Lord asks the man why he calls him good teacher. Because no one is good except God alone. Could it be that Jesus is calling attention to his divine nature as God incarnate? I believe so, but that's a discussion for another time. After that insightful response, Jesus answers the question by pointing the man to the law of Moses and says, If you wish to enter life, keep the commandments. Does that response seem odd to you? If the gospel shows us that the law cannot save us because we all fall short of its requirements, and that salvation comes by God's grace working in concert with our faith, then why would Jesus say this? Keep in mind, as we continue on, that question. When the man asks which commandments he should keep, you hear Jesus cite the ones that deal specifically with the way people should treat one another, followed by that verse from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, for good measure, about how we must love our neighbors as ourselves. You're astounded when the man replies, I have kept all these things from my youth. What am I still lacking? Come on now, you think. Nobody is that good. Even more surprising than this is what follows. Instead of reprimanding the young man for insolence or arrogance, you see Jesus look at him with love and say tenderly, You lack one thing. If you want to be complete, go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Wow, you weren't expecting that comeback. Neither was the young man. For you see on his face a look of dismay and great sadness. This particular requirement was just too much for him. And he went away grieving, for he owned much property and was very wealthy. If that were not enough, Jesus then turns to you and the other disciples to say, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You're stunned by what he just said and ask, Then who can be saved? Jesus then looks at you with the same love he had for that rich young man and says, with people, it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. For most of us, with the means to hear this message online, compared to those living in third world countries, we are relatively wealthy, with much more than we need to survive. So, it seems to me that the words of Jesus directed to the rich young man apply to us as well. Does this mean that we must do what the apostles of Jesus did, what Francis of Assisi did, and what so many others have done throughout history by actually giving all their possessions to the poor in order to follow Jesus? 
After considering this story in particular and scripture as a whole, my answer is first, yes. Then, no. With regard to the yes, when considering all that Jesus says in the Gospels about the cost of discipleship and what it means to follow him, it's clear that he expects followers to be all in or not in at all. This kind of commitment goes beyond Old Testament commands, such as the requirement to give a tithe, which was 10% of one's income. For Jesus, a tithe might be a good starting place for giving tangibly, but his requirement is that we give ourselves to him entirely, which is 100% of who we are and what we have in this life. With regard to the no, my reason begins with the initial response of Jesus to the young man's inquiry about what he must do to obtain or inherit eternal life. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. In effect, the man's question is answered in that response. Since no one is good enough to gain eternal life on his or her own doing. As a means to help this man see his insufficiency, Jesus points to the commandments, which we cannot keep perfectly because of sin. When the man says that he has cleared those hurdles, which many religious leaders prided themselves in accomplishing as well, Jesus raised the bar with a particular challenge he knew was beyond that particular man's capability. Selling everything he had and giving it to the poor was just too much for this wealthy young man. Jesus has a way of pointing out the sacred cows in our lives, doesn't he? The question is whether or not we will put them on the altar. So, in the literal sense, is Jesus calling you to sell all you have and give it to the poor? Perhaps he is, but that's a matter between you and him. Bear in mind that people of means supported Jesus and his apostles in their ministry. So obviously, the Lord does not call everyone to liquidate all their assets and embrace lady poverty literally. The question for us to ask ourselves is what keeps us from giving our all to Jesus? While asking that question, be mindful that the Lord always knows what is on our minds and our hearts. So let's be honest. For the rich young man, possessions held him back from following Jesus and enjoying the spectacular life that he offers to those who give their all to the one who gave his all. How about you? Is there anything that keeps you from giving your all to Jesus right now. By the way, I must ask myself the same question. Here are three questions for your consideration. First, how often do you think about money or the things that money can buy? Second, if you won a $10,000 sweepstakes, 
what would you do with that money? And third, how does Jesus expect you to put the words of Mark chapter 10, verse 21 into practice? 